0: morning. Morning (laughs) We think it's just us. (laughs) There's little voices everywhere. Everybody in your homes, your home zendos. I just want to say before I start with what I thought I was going to say, and I'm probably going to say something like that, of just, just the, uh, of being in the Green Gulch Zendo. I, I, I lived here for about a decade. I met my husband here, my son was born here. I was actually married in the Zendo. So I just, when I walk in, it's, it's, uh, sat in my first session on the floor down there next to Maile Scott. There's, and and whether you have history like that or, or not, it's like, All of that is here cheering us on. We all showed up today. Somehow our lives landed us in the Green Gulch Zendo. What a a mystery. You could do a hundred million thousand other things. And even if you think you're not in the Green Gulch Zendo, you're here because you're in that little machine that's right in front of me. And I know you're there and you know you're here. So, I got a newsletter today from Bioneers. Many of you may know the organization. They do a lot of really good work around climate change and social justice. And I liked what they said. During times of great division, we can easily forget that we are all intricately connected. Can we find a true sense of belonging when we are disconnected from each other and the planet? We must make a conscious effort to lean into connection and community. Only then will we find a sense of belonging and achieve the harmony necessary to resolve the issues our world is facing together. So, good call, good move, Bodhisattvas. You're leaning in, sitting here with yourself and the whole world, connection and community. Uh, what these words and intention brought up for me uh, well, that's sort of what I'm going to talk about this morning, but I began with uh, the beauty of the triple treasures and taking refuge language in our tradition of taking refuge. I'm sort of borrowing a little from Shohaku Okamura, a little bit from me, a little bit from who knows what. Forgetting and remembering who we truly are, we take refuge in Buddha. We fly home to the awakened nature of who we truly are. That's what taking refuge means, the literal translation as I understand it is to fly home to. I always like that, I like words that feel visceral, it's like you fly home to your own heart, your own body, to each other, to the world. Feeling disconnected from others and the planet. Maybe sometimes that happens with you. Uh, We take refuge in dharma flying home to the ocean of wisdom and compassion of open minds and hearts. And yearning to live in harmony and connection with everyone, not to mention with this self. We take refuge in Sangha. flying home to the interdependence with the community of all beings. That's our job today, just keep flying home. Just keep coming back. There's really no place else to go, it's all right here. Shohaku Okamura says in Living by Vow, we seek to manifest the universal life force which we have been given How can we go back to nature and to the vital life force? This is the essential koan for all of us, the question we have to work on. The three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, release us from the suffering of a life based on egocentricity and return us to the original, wholesome way of life. The essential koan. Whoa. Okay, now we know what we're working on. Waking up from forgetfulness, from identification with self-centeredness, our karmic conditioning, not that it's bad, it's just the package you got, the life you got, we got. Uh, vowing to live in harmony and peace and community with all beings. So it seems to me essential what to know ongoing, to wake up ongoing too is that we have everything we need. We've been given everything we need. So I wanted to say a few things because uh, it seems like this past week there's been some really wonderful, and today, of course, uh, opportunities and teachings that the earth and the world have been giving us. Uh, First of all, this is the first weekend of the summer solstice. Happy solstice. The solstice marks when the sun is positioned farthest north from the celestial equator, the official start of summer in the northern hemisphere. I think the official date was Wednesday. These days have been so long. It's amazing. So for those of us in the north, it's the longest day of the year. So we take refuge in her, Mother Earth, planet Earth. The mystery and the turning of the seasons of day and light, the bounty of summer and blossoms and lettuce and zucchini and tomatoes will show up in our salad and in our soup. And when you walk down in the garden, the beautiful flower bouquet on the altar. She's here. And Jogger's outside. And practice asks, these are the words of Joan Halifax, that we simultaneously be aware that wildfires are burning ancient forests in the land of our northern neighbors. I work with wildland firefighters. Uh, They have faces and names to me now. And the East Coast now knows the smoke that we've known on the West Coast. Being simultaneously aware that sea temperatures are rising precipitously in Europe and in the world, and that our climate catastrophe will be further hardened by the summer's relentless heat. I find myself, I live in Sonoma County. When I drive down, I check out the hills. (laughs) It's like, oh, a little drier. Oh, the green's there, it's beautiful. Oh, the dry is beautiful. The colors are beautiful. And it's getting drier. Here we are. The seasons are turning. Solstice means sun standing still, stopping, stopping, like us today. We stop and look deeply at the truth of suffering in the world and in our own hearts and minds. Dogen's beautiful language of taking the backward step. Just keep taking the backward step. Just here, just this, this body, this mind. Nothing extra. We turn the light around and shine it inward. Touching who we truly are, our awakened nature, not separate from any being or thing. And you might also notice uh, Uh, One of Norman Fisher's most favorite sayings that I I love is uh, appreciate your lunacy and pray for help. (laughs) You might notice a tad or two of a little lunacy going on in, maybe not for you, I certainly do, today. It's like, whoa! (sighs) Just here, just this. Compassion. Compassion arises. So in, the, in, in Pali, compassion uh, is, is two words. Nor, normally, some of us know the word karuna. Uh, I didn't know anukampa karuna, it's, it's, it's two words. Anukampa literally means to tremble with, to quiver with. To, to me, it's, it's the feeling of being alive and quivering with and for the whole world. There's a sense of joy to it. There's a sense of, oh my goodness. I mean, sometimes we like alive, sometimes we don't, but there is this quickening feeling that can manifest as an opening heart and a tenderness, a growing tenderness for ourselves and all beings. And karuna derives from the Sanskrit root meaning uh, to do or make. In one version, it means to turn outward, to respond to a situation to alleviate suffering. So it has this feeling of a swinging gate. Suzuki Roshi talks about the in-breath and the out-breath as a swinging gate, inner and outer. So to respond to a situation to alleviate suffering, in this place of tenderness and openness. So here's another koan. A monk asks about the fundamental teaching the Buddha conveyed over the course of his lifetime. And Zen master Yun-men says, an appropriate response. The fundamental teaching is, what is an appropriate response? What if a lifetime of practice is about cultivating an ever-deepening capacity to respond with wisdom and compassion to the full spectrum? of human experience. To be released over and over from the suffering of a life based on egocentricity. Me at the center of the story. I've got great stories and I really like me, please don't. But but notice when it gets a little circular and a little caught. It's like, oh, I know that story. Slightly different version, but ah, hello old friend we keep coming back to an original and wholesome and wholehearted way of life which is embodied in the bodhisattva vows (laughs) i when we did our introduction this morning the bodhisattvas in the room they're they're you which i'm going to focus on in just a minute Uh, but We got the big bodhisattvas in the room too. We got bodhisattva Shakyamuni Buddha who was just a normal human, well, yeah, normal like you and me, as normal as any of us are, (laughs) whatever that means. We've got beautiful Manjushri, bodhisattva of wisdom, Jizo, fearless bodhisattva Jizo, Tara of compassion. (sighs) Bodhisattva vows are impossible. Most of you know them, but I never tire of saying them. can say them a little differently, but... Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Not the ones I like. All beings. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to transform them or to end them. I vow to wake up right in the midst of perfect human lunacy. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Whatever life brings, moment after moment, here I am. What's the appropriate response? This is Buddha's way and it's unsurpassable, I vow to embody it. Suzuki Roshi says, if you think you can't do this, I don't remember exactly what he said, but essentially it's kind of an ego trip. (laughs) You're making yourself, I can't, I can't do that, I'm too little. If you think you can do it, that's also confusion, because it's not you who's going to do it, but you have to show up. Suzuki Roshi says, simply just over and over, you say, yes, I will. That's all. Yes, I will. Listen deeply, show up. What's the appropriate response? What does this situation need? So, in the Lotus Sutra, one of my favorites, there's a story about Bodhisattva, God, God, Dasvara. And legend has it that this Bodhisattva is from another planet. We already are wondering what in the world we're talking about here, right? Anyway. Buddha says it's so, so we'll take it on an artic- article of faith. And when he and his friends, who were invited by Shakyamuni down into this world system to visit planet Earth, they notice that this really is a pretty small little planet, and there's a lot of suffering here. And they offer to stay. They say, Shakyamuni Buddha. We're here, we care. Can we stay and help? That sounds pretty good, huh? I always figure we can use all the help we can get. I can, anyway. But you know what Shakyamuni Buddha says? Shakyamuni says, thank you for your goodwill. But we do have enough bodhisattvas here to take care of ourselves. And suddenly in the Lotus Sutra, many of you probably know this, this story. Lots of wondrous bodhisattvas, hundreds of thousands of them spring up from the earth, ready to help take care of the planet, and the world and suffering. So look around, you all just sprang up from the earth. Where'd you come from? Maybe from another planet, but mostly I think you probably are human beings of the earth. So what a joyful, uh, what joyful work we have to do here. And it's big work and people get overwhelmed, people get burned out, people say, thank you very much. But I think I'll, uh, maybe another time. So I want to tell you some stories about bodhisattvas. Earthbound bodhisattvas, starting with the premise, you already are a bodhisattva. Take good care of your life today. Take good care of your feet on the ground. Walk at Green Gulch with care and attention. Take good care of your own suffering. But maybe here's a few people who might inspire you. They inspire me. Uh, t- this month is Pride Month. And uh, the, the uh, San Francisco gay pride is happening, uh, the parade is happening in San Francisco today. So I recently, uh, Dharma Heart Zen Sangha, where I uh, sit and, and lead, we've been doing, uh, focusing on engaged Buddhism. What, what is it? What is the appropriate response? And I found again on my shelves, uh, the life and work of Issan Dorsey, Street, Street Zen. Isan Dorsey is of our very lineage, of this very place, completely earthbound. And in fact, on the back of the cover, he is described as drag queen, junkie, alcoholic, commune leader, and finally, Buddhist teacher, and I'll add, uh, Buddhist abbot of one of the uh, Zendo Sanghas in San Francisco. So I to read you something. I, I recommend this book. It's fun to go back, back to. Uh, Suzuki Roshi gave Issan and others at Zen Center the Bodhisattva precepts guidance about how to live. My guess would be, and I say this compassionately, that Issan probably broke all of them and continued to wake up right in the midst of trying to figure out how to live this life he was given. Here's what Suzuki Roshi said. Every sentient being is a bodhisattva whether or not he or she is aware of it. Our way is like Avalokiteshvara, who's actually at the back of Manjushri. Uh, There's a Kuan Yin back there. When Avalokiteshvara wants to save women, he takes the form of a woman. For a man, he takes the form of a man. One could say for drag queens, he takes the form of a drag queen. Transgender, transgender. Who knows what's going on here, folks? Let's look with big eyes and hearts, tender, wide open. For a fisherman, Avalokiteshvara becomes a fisherman. A more sophisticated Chinese expression is to be like a white bird in the snow. When people are like snow, we should be like snow. When people are black, we should be black. And always being with them without any idea of discrimination. You know, well, study your discriminating mind. <laughs> Don't go over it. Study it. This, this is big time practice here. We can help others in a true sense without giving anything, any special knowledge or teachings or materials. This is actually the Bodhisattva way. And then he says, this is what the Bodhisattva way is in essence. Softness of mind is the foundation of our practice to help others. Softness of mind. Notice today, if you have thoughts, maybe, If you have stories, maybe. If you have feelings coming up, is when you hit some kind of a wall where it starts to feel hard and closed down, just gently and tenderly stay there, breathing in and out. If you help yourself through practice, you can help others. If you help yourself through practice, you can help others without anything. Just to be with people will be enough. It's a very simple practice. It's a forever, continuous practice. And Issan apparently replied, "So I'm going to keep on practicing and just do the best I can." There you go. Okay, some more. Been noticing Bodhisattvas recently. I'm. I'm part of a Racial and Social Justice as Dharma Practice group, and we've been turning towards James Baldwin. I've read James Baldwin before, but I am blown away by James Baldwin. If you have never read him, or you read him in the past, or I just wanted to, uh, I'm particular right now, Notes of a native, native Son. I think bodhisattvas, I know, come in lots of different shapes and colors and sizes, don't, don't miss them. Uh, he was born the grandson of a slave in Harlem in 1924. He says amongst other things, our humanity is our burden, our life. We need not battle for it. We need only do what is infinitely more difficult, that is to accept it to accept our humanity and our shared humanity, to be a true human being. Sometimes that's what is said is the fundamental point of this practice, and I've always loved that, just to be a true human being. Fall down, get up, but here we are, folks. And then he says, one would have to hold in the mind forever two ideas which seem to be in opposition. The first idea is acceptance. The acceptance totally without rancor of life as it is and people as they are. In the light of this idea, it goes without saying that injustice is a commonplace. but this does not mean that one should be complacent. For the second idea is of, he says, equal power. I would say being here with and for all beings. That one must never in one's own life accept these injustices as commonplace, but must meet them and fight them with all one's strength. This fight, as he calls it, I would say practice, begins, however, in the heart, in the human heart. And it now has been laid to my charge, our charge, to keep our, my, own, our, yours, my, heart free of hatred and despair. That's continuous practice. So going on, This past week uh, was also Juneteenth. Some of you may have celebrated a little history. The Emancipation Proclamation ended some forms of slavery in this country, but not everyone in Confederate territory would immediately be free. Even though the Emancipation Proclamation was made effective in 1863, it could not be implemented in places still under Confederate control. And as a result, in the westernmost confederate state of Texas, enslaved people would not be free until much later. Freedom finally came on June 19, 1865, when some 2,000 Union troops arrived in Galveston, Texas. And the Army announced that more than 250,000 enslaved black people in the state were freed by executive decree. Uh, this day came to be known as Juneteenth. Uh, by the newly freed people in Texas, and uh, in 2021 was signed into law as a national holiday. But what I want to tell you, maybe some of you saw this on PBS, I, I I didn't know this, so much we don't know, so much I don't know. Opal Lee is considered the grandmother of Juneteenth. She's a retired black school teacher in Texas, and she began in her late 80s, I particularly like this. Please start wherever you are, but I really like. Sometimes I think, well, I'm getting old. Who knows what I can do? Who knows what I can do, you can do? Opal Lee began in her late 80s, for goodness sakes, a walking campaign to bring attention to the need for Juneteenth to be a national day of observation. And she walked from Fort Worth, Texas to Washington, DC. And so moved other people that people started walking with her. I think, go Opal Lee. Go each one of us. Who knows? Small acts, big acts. How do we just be here on this earth? How do we live? What is the appropriate response? So I just wanted to tell you a couple of things that she said that really moved me. She said, this isn't a black thing. It's about freedom for all of us. We're not free yet. We've got too many disparities. Homelessness, joblessness, health care. Some of us can get it. Others can't. Climate change that we're responsible for. She said, if people can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love. And we have to work at it. So there we are again, working at it joyful work, bodhisattva work, appropriate response work. So now, maybe it wouldn't be a proper Zen talk if I didn't bring forward some of Dogen's suggestions about what this might mean. Dogen, the father of our tradition. One of Dogen's uh, fascicles that I love the most Bodhisattva Shishobo, the twenty-eighth chapter of the Shobogenzo, called the Bodhisattvas Four Embracing Actions. The Bodhisattvas Four Embracing Actions. Another translation: the Bodhisattvas Four Methods of Guidance. Uh, it was written for lay people. Dogen wrote this for lay people. And the source of it is in the Prajnaparamita in 100,000 lines. So it's it's based in uh, the emptiness teachings, the heart of our tradition. I think we're gonna chant the Heart Sutra probably later today. Oh, what is the appropriate response? First line in the fascicle, the first of the four embracing actions or methods of guidance is giving or donna. Second is loving or kind speech. third is beneficial action, and the fourth is identity action. I always think you could take any one of these teachings and pick it up and carry it with you for the rest of your life. It's kind of fun, you know, the refuges, and the koans, and Dogen, and... and earthbound human bodhisattvas, if you just take one thing away from this, or maybe something that arises in the midst of your zazen, some insight, or some opening, or some tender place in your heart, that's it. But I'll tell you what a little bit of what Dogen had to say. You can go find the fascicle if you want to read it more. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful fascicle. I'm calling it practice number one, giving. Dogen says giving is non-greed. Uh, I I might, in light of uh, this talk today, uh, letting go of self-centeredness, being aware of self-centeredness, self-clinging. Our pain and joy isn't mine over here, and it isn't over there. Somebody else causing it, and if that would just stop, then everything would be fine. Everything is Buddha's body. Everything is Buddha's body. Everything is Buddha's body. All-inclusive and we are intimately breathing each other and the whole world in and out in every moment. Transforming and being transformed. That's why sitting on your cushion today with deep intention, or let's not fluff it up into something holy. (laughs) Just getting yourself to the cushion, for God's sakes. (laughs) Bowing, breathing, coming back over and over. Enormous act of generosity with and for the whole world. Because the whole world, as we affirm and vow, uh, it touches and does ripple everywhere. You may do big bodhisattva acts, but don't ever forget that just the act of the backward step and being here is bodhisattva, vowing, living, bringing generous and kind awareness and forgiveness to ourselves, bringing generous, kindness, kind awareness and forgiveness to ourselves, to others, and to the world for being what it is. James Baldwin starting with acceptance. The gift of love, the deep gift of love, is not facile but deeply integrated and arises from an embodied knowing of our intimate and complete interconnection and interconnected and interdependence with everything and everyone. Maybe sometimes you'll believe it. (laughs) And a lot, this is a faith practice. This isn't just about me, I know that. And I can remember since almost the minute I was born. But I wanted to be here and be of help or service somehow. I think little kids just want that. You just want to help somehow. So you just keep coming back. Giving, generosity of giving your heart and your life. To your deepest intention. Practice number two, kind speech. Kind speech means that when you see sentient beings, you arouse the heart of compassion and offer words of loving care. It is contrary to cruel or violent speech. Easy to do, Well, I was going to say with people you love, but I'm married. I love my husband. I have to practice sometimes with loving, kind speech. And then I think, I love this person. You know, so what are we, what are we doing with the people that we, don't, we think we don't love, for goodness sakes? This is big time practice, this kind speech, inner and outer. Know that kind speech arises from a kind mind. And kind heart from the seed of compassionate heart. Kind speech, Dogen says this, kind speech has the power to turn the destiny of a nation. I'm going to say that again, because if we go back to the Bioneers, in the time of division, Dogan says, kind speech has the power to turn the destiny of a nation. What is it? What's the appropriate response in any situation? whatever comes towards us, including the news. Practice number three, beneficial action. Dogen says, is skillfully to benefit all classes of sentient beings. That is to care about their distinct and near future and to help them by using skillful means. This isn't just human beings. This is all being sentient and insentient, the earth, not one above, not one below. You may notice when you go down to the Green Gulch Garden. I, I was here a few weeks ago, and I, I know this is this has happened before. Uh, there, there's a heron that's often in the first field, and it's it's I, it's so beautiful, and it's so upright, and it's so calm, and it's so zen. <laughs> people go, "Wow!" You know, "Wow!" Must be really bi. I don't know. What people say, but this is what I think is it's like. It found Zen, you know. It's like it was always Zen, and so then, and then you 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 watch it. I was I was down there watching it with some other people, and all of a sudden, this this uh b- big heron goes, <coughs> and nails a gopher, throws it up, goes down his throat, and it eats it, and then it goes back to being still again. The people I was with were just blown away. <laughs> it's like, It's like one more idea blown wide open it's all of it all classes all ideas we care about the heron and we care about the gopher and we care about our ideas and our confusion (sighs) distant and near we should benefit friend and enemy equally whoa you should benefit self and others alike. This isn't about self-sacrifice to take care of somebody else. This is backward step right in the center, the mandala of alive, of birth and death. And Dogen says, if you have this heart of beneficial action, if you have this heart, beneficial action is spontaneous and unremitting. Appropriate response arises and then the next moment, and then the next. Making a wholehearted effort. What is this moment asking of me? And the fourth practice, which seems to me most rooted and grounded in uh, uh, emptiness teachings of asking us to uh, taste and go, go beyond dualistic, thinking, although each one is clearly asking us to go beyond dualistic thinking. Um, Identity action, number four. Also translated as cooperation or non-difference, or self and others are one. Self and others are one. You are me and I am you, but you sure look like James. (laughs) Hold the tension the opposites. We have a taste when we sit zazen, and I think especially in longer sittings, and the longer we practice, uh, that this here and now, this moment is and does include the entire world. Time and space, other world systems, who knows what that means, includes the worms, includes the gopher and the heron all of our crazy, lunatic thoughts, and that every action we take has profound moral consequences, cause and effect. That's what we get Come closer to, is this life, this body, this heart, this mind does matter. One more thing from the Lotus Sutra. uh, it's referred to in the 25th chapter of the Lotus Sutra. One of Avalokiteshvara's, the Bodhisattva of Compassion's, main practice is uh, Avalokiteshvara says, "Whatever form you need to wake up, I'll come in that form. Whatever's in front of you is Avalokiteshvara. Here I am. Well, you don't look like Avalokiteshvara. In fact, you're bugging me. No." Study it, know it. This is the practice of unhesitatingly, without delay, taking whatever form is necessary, which means deep listening, deep presence. What is this moment asking of me? Suzuki Roshi's, yes, I will. And all you do, you can't pour this in or make it happen. Beautiful practice, practice of zazen and just sitting. This is it, just sitting. Just here, just this. And we have the amazing gift and privilege to have found our way here today. For many of us to have found practice as a, a, a lifelong way of living. So today, Shakyamuni Buddha on the altar, I love the earth-touching gesture. Shakyamuni sat down on the earth and said, I'm here with and for all beings. This is, this is my quest. This is my deepest heart's yearning. <laughs> and the, and the, the story is uh, uh, that the earth, earth goddess reached back up and their hands touched. And sometimes it says, the earth shook like a joyful woman. Whoa, it's like... Happiness, wow, human being waking up on this earth. So touch the earth. If you feel unsettled today, just take your hand, it's your right hand, touch touch the earth, just affirm, I'm here, we're here together. Feel your butt on your cushion, feel your cushion on the tawn, feel the tawn on the wooden floor that was a cattle barn. and the earth underneath it. Over there, next to Tara on that altar, is uh, when, I, when I lived here, that's a mastodon tooth that was found in this valley. Somebody went out for a walk, came back and said, what's this, <laughs> sent it out to the lab. There were mastodons here, for goodness sakes. Touch Touch the earth. It's vast and deep and wide and mysterious, and fly home to the awakened nature of who we truly are. (sighs) Swinging gate, fly home to the ocean of wisdom and compassion and an open and tender heart and mind. Fly home to the interdependence with the community, with all beings. Can you hear and feel the silence? And can you hear? It's probably a red-winged blackbird. They're out there on the pond. Uh, Just give yourself to this day, which is to give yourself to life, which is to give yourself to your own deep, warm, and caring one heart of the world. And uh, together, Something will happen. (laughs) We'll just be here and see what it is. But for right now, uh, we're going to chant the end of lecture chant.